This is Cultured Hollywood for Smart People for Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. I am Vengeance. <laughs> We're here talking Batman, Batman, and more Batman. That's really what's going on today. Welcome to the program. Hi. My name is actually Nico. It is not indeed Vengeance. <laughs> and I am your host. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's just get into it. Come on. Batman trailer, babies. What's going on here? What's up with Emo Pattinson? I thought Team Edward and Team Jacob was a debate of the past. What are we doing? What are we doing playing Nirvana music in the trailer? Why does Colin Farrell look like the chick from Eraserhead? What is up with that makeup, my guy? <laughs> Do you know what I thought when I saw that shot of Robert Pattinson at the end of this movie? By the way, the Batman is what I'm talking about. Hi, this is Cultured. It's a show about movies, television, music, and so much more. And we talk about them in a way that smart people can enjoy them. That's the idea, at least. But today, we're just talking about Batman. And there is no smart way to talk about this movie in any way, shape, or form. Uh, last weekend this weekend uh dc fandom that's the thing that happened it was this online convention it was just a 10-hour live stream where nerds got together and jerked off to wonder woman i think that's basically what happened i again i didn't watch dc fandom i was not invited into the dome an exclusive fan event never before seen i'm sorry I just caught the trailers afterwards and a bunch of trailers debuted and I'm going to talk about them now. But so this trailer for the Batman, right? Robert Pattinson is here and Matt Reeves is directing. Um, and this was an initially supposed to be a Ben Affleck, not only star vehicle, but also directorial vehicle, right? Like he was <laughs> going to direct this movie and star in it. And then Ben Affleck's like, wait a minute, I'm Ben Affleck. What am I doing wearing a cape? So uh, he left and Matt Reeves took over as director and Robert Pattinson took over as Batman. And uh, apparently he has long hair and eyeliner. And I just fucking thought about this the second I saw (laughs) Robert Pattinson at the end of this trailer talking to, I don't know, Alfred played by Andy Serkis. I'm not really sure. Here's what I thought, right? Don't you feel like you're in 2004? You just got dumped by your goth girlfriend in the eighth grade. And you're really angry about it. Some may say that eighth grade you is vengeance. Like a bat cave. Ready for the hook. My name is Batman and my parents got shot. Now I'm gonna solve this riddle and Gotham. 
Finally. Finally, a dark Batman story. It's about damn time. <laughs> Finally, a Batman movie that the Nirvana fans can enjoy. <laughs> I don't get it. Apparently, I'm the only one on the internet that doesn't get it. We talked a lot about it on Why Is This a Thing this week. That show, I believe, will debut tomorrow. Less than 24 hours from now, you can hear more of my Batman thoughts. But I got in a big argument with Adam and Nick because they saw this trailer and it was like a rush of heroin had been injected into their systems. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it, man. I've grown up. I'm an adult now. I like adult things. Occasionally, I'll read a book. It's fun. Keeps my brain sharp. You know, I'm just sort of, I'm aging into more mature film tastes. And uh, the Batman ain't going to cut it, my guy. All right. This is what I said on Why Is This a Thing? And this is probably a horrendously offensive take um, and has no place on the internet, which is uh, just filled with Batman fans. But like, y'all, if you're an adult man and you have kids... And you have responsibilities. Maybe you own property. You know, like if you're old enough to rent a car at like (laughs) at Enterprise or whatever, or you're old enough to get a hotel room at the Marriott, like just watch Ray Donovan. Just watch Ozark. You know what I mean? Watch like dad things. You know, (laughs) like I'm 25 and I'm right on the edge. I can still get away with like, you know, <laughs> dressing up as Obi-Wan Kenobi for Halloween. I can kind of get away with it. But like if you're 30, if you're 35 and you're watching this trailer and you're like, yes, finally, Matt Reeves understands the comics that I read as a kid. Like, bro, watch dad things. Just watch House of Cards like the rest of the 50 year old men. It's okay. Okay. My dad, he cannot get enough of Ozark. He cannot get enough of Ray Donovan. I have not watched an episode of either of those shows ever. But like, I don't know, John Voight's on it, and I guess Ray Donovan's a fixer, and he's going to fix the problems of rich white men across <laughs> across the valley. I don't know, man. Just grow up, be an adult. You know, like, I and listen, I'm not the biggest Marvel fan either, and I enjoy a dark and gritty superhero tale every now and again. When I saw The Dark Knight in 2008, I was 13 years old. It changed my fucking life. It is still one of the great movie-going experiences of all time. And, I like, I saw Logan. Logan was cool. But seriously? I think, you know what it was? Joker pushed me over the edge. I'm like, this is a movie that is made by a a guy who thinks he's smarter than he actually is, and it's made for an audience that thinks they're even smarter than that. Enough. Just make Thor Ragnarok. Just make Black Panther. Just make Avengers Endgame. Sell your action figures. Go the fuck home, man. Peppa Pig sold for $4 billion. Children's entertainment is a massive industry. That's where Batman belongs. This is for children. This is for teenagers. This is for 15-year-olds who have a fake ID and are sneaking in to an R-rated movie before their parents allowed them to. Enough. Enough of the dark, gritty superhero movies. I've had it. I've had it.
This is literally the Dark Knight. They're just making the Dark Knight again, but they're doing it with more villains and <laughs> they are <laughs> they are they are giving Colin Farrell the face of Brian Cox. What is going on here? And I must admit this cast is quite intriguing. Incredibly intriguing. You got Pattinson who as I said on why is this a thing could be one of the 10 best actors of the last decade. You can make the argument that he's the best actor of the last decade as the lead. Cool. I want to see a Robert Pattinson vehicle always. I'd prefer if it was directed by the Safdie brothers, but fine. Robert Pattinson, he's done with Indies. He was talking to his accountant. Turns out Robert Eggers movies. Don't pay the bills. James Gray movies. Don't play the bills. Claire Denis movies. Don't pay the bills. Whatever. He's back. He's Batman. Fine. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Okay. I liked High Fidelity. Colin Farrell will get to him. Paul Dano as the, the Riddler? Here's the problem, right? They're eight years late. Paul Dano should have been the Riddler in the Dark Knight Rises or whatever the movie was called. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Andy Serkis is Alfred. All right. Interesting. John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. All sounds wonderful. And look, I would watch the movie starring this cast, regardless of the description. I'd go sight unseen. Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard, Turturro, Jeffrey Wright. I'm in. Like, if... It doesn't even have to be like an art house movie. It doesn't need to be like a Tarantino movie or whatever. Like if Ryan Johnson was going to make another murder mystery in the style of Knives Out, let's call it Knives Out 2. I'm in with this cast, but instead I got to get more Catwoman in my life. I need another take on the Riddler. Come on, bro. Oh, what are we doing? What are we doing? And why is Colin Farrell so unattractive in these trailers? Let the penguin be hot. What's wrong with the penguin being hot? You know what I'm saying? Like for years, Darth Vader, like the greatest villain in all of cinema, perhaps the greatest villain in any piece of art ever, right? Like Darth Vader for years, we thought that dude must be hideous underneath that mask. And then in episode six, like Luke pulls the helmet off of Darth Vader and it's like, wow, that's even worse than I thought. I know beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but damn, dude, <laughs> got to get yourself a lotion. But then like they do the prequels and George Lucas casts Hayden Christensen, the young heartthrob Hayden Christensen, whatever you want to say about the dude's acting chops, incredibly handsome man. Lucas casts Hayden Christensen as young Darth Vader. If Darth Vader can be hot, why can't the penguin? Show me the bylaws that are like the penguin must look like Danny DeVito. Point me to the scripture. Point me to the amendment. You nerds. You bat heads. Show me the constitution of Batman that, that declares that the penguin must always be unfuckable. <laughs> I don't get it. 
You're telling me the penguin was never hot or he just had a funny nose? What's up with the cheekbones, though, my guy? Why are we destroying Colin Farrell's chiseled chin? His perfectly chiseled chin. It was really holding out hope. It's like, oh, wow, Colin Farrell? For once, we're not going to have a fat, like, jowly penguin? Nope. We're going into the Warner Brothers back lot and pulling out the makeup from the elephant man. David Lynch is the elephant man. And we're slapping it on Colin Farrell's face. (sighs) Too many villains. Too many of the same villains. We've seen each of these villains in Batman movies before. There is no reinvention of the intellectual property. Looks like we're just doing Dark Knight again. And I've had it. I've just had it, man. I've just, I've, I've really have had it, man. Like the 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 opening shot where like uh of of the trailer I'm talking about. By the way, this movie is only like thirty percent done, from what I can tell. They're not even done shooting this movie yet. Most of the movie has yet to be shot. But that opening shot of them walking into like the living room where the dead body is and his face is like rolled up in tape and. Commissioner Gordon is reading the riddle that the Riddler left. It's like, this is the scene in Dark Knight where the Joker kills the congressman. And <laughs> like, what are we doing here, guys? Ah, this is it now, right? This is Batman. We're just going to make another Batman movie every three years, and it's going to look exactly the same as the last ten. This is why I miss Tim Burton. You know what I mean? It's why I miss Tim Burton's Batman's. It's why I miss Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. Like those things were silly and adults liked them, but they were always approached with a childlike sensibility. And again, like Spider-Man is a beloved movie from across all ages, right? Like my dad loves the original Spider-Man movies and I did as well. And I was what? Eight years old when that first one came out but they were still made with sort of a, a childlike irreverence. You know, they never took themselves too seriously. Uh, this one, ugh, come on. It's like a David Fincher mystery. It's like seven, except the detective is not Brad Pitt. It's Pattinson. And boy, does he go heavy on the eyeliner. I'm out. I'm out on the new Batman. I apologize. I deeply and sincerely apologize. I wanted to like this and I watched that trailer and I rolled my fucking eyes until <laughs> until I looked like Bane in, uh, in, in Batman and Robin. <sighs> really makes you long for the days when Joel Schumacher was just going for it. When Jim Carrey was the, the Riddler. <laughs> Uh, okay. So here is the other news that came out of DC fandom. Um, oh boy. <sighs> this wasn't a joke. This was something that actually happened. This is a thing that actually exists and a major corporation put their stamp on it. So the Snyder cut is happening. We've talked about the Snyder cut. I'm not going to go into it again. Um, I will just say that I have not seen the Zack Snyder slash Joss Whedon cut of Justice League, the one that hit theaters a few years ago. 
uh, I no pass hard pass hard pass and I don't care how many Leonard Cohen songs you want to play under the footage I'm not giving in I'm not going to do this I'm not emotionally invested and you're not going to make me emotionally invested you're not even going to pique my interest I'm not even going to curiously stumble upon this at three in the morning when I'm suffering from insomnia you're not going to get a second of my eyeballs does that make sense that's a strange turn of phrase you know what else is a strange turn of phrase? Zack Snyder's Justice League. Voila! This is not real. This is not a real video. I thought they were joking. I thought they were joking. <laughs> but this is a real thing. Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Snyder Cut is coming to HBO Max as a four-part series. Four one-hour installments. That's right. Four fucking hours Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming to HBO Max and the teaser they decided to go with featured uh, what I suppose is new footage set to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which uh, incidentally was used uh, all the way back in what was that 2009 2008 in Zack Snyder's failed Watchmen movie. Um, (laughs) So it's just all coming full circle. Again, I haven't seen the original Justice League, so I can't tell the difference between what this trailer was showing and what the movie showed. Um, I assume this is all new footage. I don't know what the point would be in just playing the old footage. So maybe this excited someone. Dark Seed is back, and he looks even more cartoonish than before. (laughs) He looks even more like one of those little figurines that helped you out in Microsoft Word. Back in 2002. Clippy. The paperclip. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I'm the, the worst person to ask about this. Because again. I have no interest in watching either version of Justice League. But I saw that video. And I'm like. This is a joke. Right? This is like a fan made trailer. Or this is one of those like YouTube montages that you get stuck on in a click hole on YouTube. <laughs> When you're just watching movie clips and it's like, here's a fan made trailer for the Snyder cut. And seriously, I've seen much better fan made trailers than the ones I saw this weekend. (laughs) Much better. I guarantee you like the best fan made Snyder cut trailer is, uh, is far more compelling than just Henry Cavill, uh, like, uh, with, with, uh, with x-ray vision, killing aliens to leonard cohen i don't know man i'm happy for you i'm happy for you but again like ah, just watch ncis (laughs) just watch chicago fire and die enough quit watching the shit that your kids are supposed to get excited about you don't need to bond that i think this is the um and look, I'm a victim of this as well with my dad. Uh, and because my dad was a, I wouldn't say that my dad like, um, like uh, insisted upon his cultural tastes growing up. Like, I don't think he demanded that I listen to the same stuff he listened to or watch the same movies that he watched. I think I just sort of fell into it over the years. But, you know, part of being a kid is that you're supposed to enjoy things that your parents don't like. And that's what's fun about being young. That's what's fun about being a teenager. Um, it's that your parents don't get it. And like, 
all music that is essentially the history of American pop music is it's kids enjoying stuff that their parents think is trash. That goes for Elvis. That goes for the Beatles. That goes for NWA. Uh, it, you know, it goes for Michael Jackson. It goes for Prince. And I don't know. I just feel like that line is becoming blurred. Like part of WAP or wet ass pussy. I, I refuse to call it WAP. <laughs> part of the reason why wet ass pussy was so fun is because your parents like, uh, thought that the end times were coming they were preparing for christ to finally return and save the souls of humanity and uh you know now it's just cardi b just talking about her cooch and whatever like kids get it adults don't move on but this comic book genre is so insidious It, it really is unnatural it is not the natural order of things Your parents are not supposed to get more excited about Batman movies than their children. Whatever. I'm happy for you anyway, Snyderheads. I'm happy that you're finally getting your Justice League. And I am so excited for the moment when you realize it wasn't worth it. I am so, I'm going to be so thrilled when I see all of your angry tweets. About how, wait a minute, this is just the same movie with more shitty shots of Darkseed. Yeah, exactly. Hey, guess what? Guess what $15 million is going to buy you, Snyder fans? A half hour of Amy Adams. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Let's just run down this real quick here. Uh, new, um, new, new Wonder Woman 1984 trailer. Yeah, I mean, this looks fun, I guess. I, I don't get why Kristen Wiig is a literal cheetah. I, I thought it was more of a, more of like just a, an alias, more of a, a, a metaphor or symbol more than anything. But apparently Kristen Wiig is actually a cheetah. She's a woman that transforms into a cheetah and fights Wonder Woman in this movie. And uh, yeah, cool. They, they wear parachute pants in the 80s. Guess what, kids? Here's a fashion lesson about 1984. That's why you came for this. I didn't get the original Wonder Woman. I was the only human being that didn't understand the original Wonder Woman. I thought that thing was just a CGI fuckfest and uh, not much more. And like there was a tinge of feminism, I suppose. And there was some cool like period piece World War Two or World War One. What war was Wonder Woman set in? World War One? Sure, I like the war stuff. I didn't understand. Um, I didn't understand the rest of it though. I, I, who was that? Was that uh, David Strathairn? Who played the villain? No, Thulis. David Thulis. I get them all confused. Thulis fights her in that movie, right? And he's like the god of war, or something. And he harnesses the power of lightning, and uh. I don't know, like Wonder Woman lassos her way out of it. I forget. I didn't care for it. This one, at least, look, at least they are sticking to the idea of making these things period pieces because there are so many superhero movies that are just totally removed from any time or place. And I guess that's not the genre's fault. I mean, these comics are written to be timeless. They're not really supposed to be reflective of a particular era, although I would appreciate if they were more. So at least they are sticking to this idea that we are going to transport you to another time. We're going to put a character in the movie that you can recognize 
um, and, and sort of, uh, but here's the thing though, right? Like Chris Pine returns in 84, but is this movie actually set in 1984 or does Wonder Woman travel back to 1984 where she reunites with Chris Pine? Because like in Justice League, or I, I actually no, not Justice League. What's the other movie that I actually saw? Batman v Superman. It's implied that Chris Pine doesn't make it after the war. But then they bring him back. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what they're doing with their timelines here. Why am I asking these questions is a, is a better question. <laughs> Who the hell cares? This is what DC's doing now. I will say, if, if I were to entertain the fact that these movies matter, which I guess they matter like economically, but they don't really matter culturally. Sue me. Um, let's entertain for a second that they do matter. I prefer this method of just throwing stuff up against the wall to see what sticks as opposed to the Marvel. Like we have 15 years of a roadmap in place and we know exactly when we're going to bring in a new Spider-Man and we know exactly when we're going to bring in Captain Marvel and we know the precise moment where they're going to meet on screen and we know when we're going to kill off Iron Man and give uh, a new guy Iron Man shield only for him to die 10 years later. Like I am glad that they are just living in the moment and making movies that uh, that seem cool and that are made for, I think, a variety of audiences, although I still contend that these are only for 13-year-old boys. So, like, I, I, watched, uh, I watched Birds of Prey the other day on HBO, and uh, I missed it in the theater, and uh, this is the first time that I saw it, and I dug it. I thought it was, like, fun. I thought it was like a better version of Deadpool, a more like visually interesting version of Deadpool with a better lead performance. Um, I just love a Margot Robbie star vehicle. And I dug Birds of Prey. Gave me real Tarantino vibes, actually. Like, it it was very much Kill Bill. I thought of it more as as a Kill Bill uh, successor than I did a Deadpool successor. So, look, I dug it. It's a hard R. I understand that that movie at least stylistically has very little in common with justice league or with the Batman or with even Joker. Uh, so I prefer this to the Marvel formula. I do like, if you're going to be making superhero movies, have fun with it and experiment because people are going to see these movies anyway. That's the thing. Like you're going to get at least a hundred million dollars at the box office. And I get it. This is the only thing keeping Warner brothers in business. Um, the, film industry is hanging on by a thread and you can't fuck up some of these uh, pieces of intellectual property. But I do think like experimentation is the way to go. And I, if we have to get movies like this, I would rather see something like birds of prey than uh, captain Marvel two or than Dr. Strange two. So I guess philosophically I agree with the approach. I just can't get excited about any of these movies. Apparently, Ben Affleck is coming back for an upcoming Flash sequel, or this is the first Flash movie. I guess there's the show, um, and this is separate and apart from the show. Ezra Miller stars as the Flash. Um, Andy Muschietti is directing this movie, and it is a adaptation, or at least loose adaptation, of the Flashpoint comic. This is all according to Hollywood Reporter. I don't know what any of these words mean. Um, But I guess in that comic, there is a multiverse, which is a big thing now in comic book movies. I can't believe I'm doing this. 
<laughs> what am I doing? And in the multiverse, there are uh, multiple Batman. So Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman. Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman. I want Kilmer in the mix. Where's Kilmer? Clooney, we can skip. Adam West, he's dead, right? I want Kilmer next to Keaton. You know what? Throw Clooney in there too. Christian Bale, I know he's doing other things. And uh, how about uh, Kevin Conroy, huh? Yeah, that's right. I know who Kevin Conroy is. See comic book heads? I throw you a bone every now and again. Yeah, give me give me more Batmans. I'm not going to see this movie, though. Who am I kidding? <laughs> even, even if you promised me that Michael Keaton is going to make a cameo where he utters, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I'm still not going to this movie. Whatever. Flash. Oh, and the Suicide Squad. James Gunn is back, and he's making Guardians of the Galaxy again. <sighs> DC fandom. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> it goes like this. The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift. <laughs> the baffled podcaster. <laughs> goes hallelujah. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. This is cultured. Uh, we're done. We're going to talk about real art now. Stick around. Remember when I said we're going to talk about real art now? Uh, we're not actually going to talk about real art now. (laughs) I'm in a mood today. Can you tell? I just spent a half hour talking about fucking Batman after saying at the top of the podcast that I don't care about Batman. You know, if that ain't the mark of a consummate professional, if that ain't the mark of a podcast extraordinaire, I don't know what to tell you. I did a half hour straight on Batman and if, if I do say so myself, it was a damn good half hour. Damn good pod. You know, we, we can't talk Terrence Malick movies every podcast, man. Sometimes you have to throw the geeks a bone. And I do that every once in a while, and I bring the heat. Just throw 102 mile an hour fastballs right down the middle. Keeping fresh. <laughs> Your boys still got it. Uh, what are we doing here? Okay, so uh, movie theaters are open now. Uh, funny story, actually. Should I play the clip? This is what I said last week about movie theaters. Um, <laughs> and I acknowledge, by the way, like at freezing cold takes on Twitter, like I may be setting myself up for uh, a real cell phone. And I think I did. Uh, here's what I said about movie theaters um, and, uh, you know, if they're ever going to come back, the premier way of watching a new film from a major studio will be at home on a streaming service. This is happening. This is happening. And that slow death has been a trickle. Like little news items have been trickling out since March, right? AMC only plans to close a month and now they're going to close two months and now they're going to close four months, but don't worry. Tenet will be out by July. Christopher Nolan is going to save movies and then it gets pushed to August and then it gets pushed to Labor Day weekend. And now only some theaters will debut Tenet this Labor Day weekend. 
But but Disney. What about Disney? Major proponent of the in-theater experience. They're going to hold the line. They're going to remain steadfast. Mulan coming to Disney Plus this November. $30. It's over. Get all of the crying out of your system. Grandma's not going home. Yeah, so I essentially said that movie theaters are never going to reopen, despite what all of the press releases are telling you. Uh, And if they did reopen, that they would not be open for a significant enough time to save their business. Um, This was before, I believe, just a few hours before AMC announced their official reopen date. So I was a little uh, premature, I guess, to say that AMC (laughs) was never going to open its doors again. They have indeed opened many of their doors, including the one in my town. Uh, I think in total, 1,500 movie theaters in the United States are up and running, at least in partial capacity. I know the state of California, state of New York, state of New Jersey, you still can't go see a movie. But here in Connecticut, yeah, we can go. Uh, In fact, you can get $5 movie tickets to see The Goonies and Back to the Future. And here's the deal, bro. I'm going to double down. I'm doubling down right here, right now. Sure, your theaters are reopened temporarily, but they ain't staying open for, get this, more than two months. What's the date today? August 25th? Mark it. October 25th. That's the over-under. AMC up and running as a business. Before October 25th. Actually, that's that's the day that I predict they will file bankruptcy and close all of their chains. That's the date. I'm doubling down. I know I was already wrong once before, but you know, <laughs> I learned this this week from the great Charles Barkley on the TNT pregame show when he gave his Charles Barkley guarantee three times over the past week. He guaranteed a Portland Trailblazers victory over the Los Angeles Lakers, and he was wrong all three of those times. When you are wrong, double down. Our president does it all the time. Why not inject the Clorox into your system? Or the Lysol, or whatever the hell he did. Listen, it's not staying open. It's all smoke and mirrors. You think a 35th anniversary edition of The Empire Strikes Back is going to save cinemas? You think Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, Jaws, that's what's going to save movie theaters? You think the Jumanji crowd is just catching up on Jumanji 2 this weekend? (laughs) Is that what you think? Everyone that wanted to see Jumanji 2 already saw Jumanji 2. Come on, bro. It's still happening, man. It's still happening. Although not in exactly the way I predicted, it's going to happen. 30% capacity is rough. That's what they're doing in Connecticut. I think that's what they're doing nationwide. You have to leave a seat on either side of each uh, of each group, of each ticket purchaser. So when you go into the, uh, the computer system and you purchase your three tickets or whatever, it automatically X's out the two seats next to you. Um, 30% capacity is very low. These theaters are, are already operating on razor thin margins. They're already giving a ridiculous amount to the studios. Um, concessions are now limited. What you can sell, uh, is now limited. And also 
people's interest in getting popcorn at the movies is now limited. Um, I, I don't see it. I really don't see this being a sustainable business model. Now, there are smarter people and more informed people that are making these decisions in boardrooms across the country, and I'm sure they know much more than me. Uh, but I, I still think that this was the straw that broke the camel's back, and Russell Crowe in a horror thriller um, about a dude with road rage hunting down a family? No. No. I'm just going to watch an American Pickle on HBO Max. Thank you very much. This movie ain't saving shit. Now, it was the only movie that debuted in theaters this week. I'm talking, of course, about Unhinged, the Russell Crowe vehicle. Uh, It's 2020. Russell Crowe's a lot heavier than he used to be and doesn't open movies in the same way he once did. Long gone are the days of Gladiator and a Beautiful Mind. Uh, So it's important to keep it into context. Uh, It's also an independent studio solstice studios that released the film it was a modestly budgeted action thriller it was not expected to be a box office force even in a normal theatrical run i think the studio took advantage maybe that's the, the wrong term but at least seized on the opportunity that covid presented it um by being a differentiator by you know being the first to open theaters it gets at least that distinction if uh if nothing else and believe me it got very few distinctions over the weekend four million dollars is what it grossed at the domestic box office that's in roughly 1800 theaters according to box office mojo which is like a pretty uh significant theatrical run 1800 screens is nothing to sniff uh to sneeze at um i think yeah under normal circumstances it would be a massive failure I still think that it's kind of a flop that is slightly elevated by crazy people like me who are dying to go to a movie theater. And if it has to be a Russell Crowe road rage thriller, so be it. I just want to go to a dark air conditioned room with a bunch of strangers with sounds surround sound blasting into my ear holes. If that's what you're looking for, if that's the fix that you're trying to get, Russell Crowe was the answer for you. And some people to the tune of $4 million went and did that. Uh, I don't know what to take of that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to take away from that at all. This weekend, New Mutants is coming out. It is the long shelved X-Men movie starring Macy Williams and a bunch of other teenagers or now adults, but once teenagers. That's how long ago this movie was shot. I think this thing was initially supposed to come out in 2018, has been pushed several times um and now it's sort of getting buried at the end of august it's one of those 20 20th century fox productions that disney i think is trying to burn off in a very quiet manner i mean here's how you know the movie's going to be good i haven't seen a single commercial for it yet i've seen virtually no advertising for the new mutants not a single review even though again this movie has been completed for the past two years been sitting in a can uh now it's just getting burnt off i'm sure it's very bad we're not going to be able to take much away from that tenant of course is the litmus test that is going to be the moment where uh you know either there's a lot of optimism in the greater los angeles area there's a lot of optimism around uh warner brothers and other major film studios or it's going to be a come to jesus moment for um both studios and movie theaters 
And uh, I think we're going to know a lot after Tenant Weekend how sustainable this business still is. And I suspect it's going to majorly underperform. And uh, again, October 25th, that's the over-under. And I'm going to try to squeeze as many movies in as I can. But I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I know I'm doubling down and on an already incorrect prediction, but ugh, I'm not as optimistic as everyone else is. That being said, I did look into tickets at the local AMC this past weekend just to see. Um, they had this gimmick where it was 15 cent movie tickets on opening Thursday. Uh, all of those tickets were sold out completely. And most of the screenings over the weekend, no matter if it was Jaws or Indiana Jones or Empire Strikes Back, were all sold out as well. 30% capacity, but still sold out. There is at least some interest amongst um, the mainstream movie-going audience. But I still don't think, I still don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, All right. This is Cultured. We have a lot of quick little news items after the break, if you thought that the half hour of Batman talk was ridiculous, wait till we talk about the planes, trains, and automobiles reboot. That's a thing. We'll tell you more about it after the break. Wow, what a tease. <laughs> it's your 11 p.m. news here on Cultured. All right, this is a segment. I think I'm going to start this maybe on a semi-weekly basis. I don't know if there's enough material to fill an entire week's worth of content. But we're going to call it, Why are you doing this? I need a good sound effect. Send me something. Like, if you can think of a movie, I'm sure this is in many a psychological thriller. Some woman that's been kidnapped and tortured by some ugly dude. I'm sure will shout, Why are you doing this? And there will be some, like, silly answer that references Hemingway or something. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, this is a segment where I'm going to uh, read a real news item. This is uh, something in development as the Hollywood machine is wont to do. And uh, I'm going to simply ask the question, why are you doing this? Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, as I mentioned before the break, is getting a reboot. It is not going to star Steve Martin or the late, great John Candy. Instead, it is going to star Will Smith and Kevin Hart. Remake of a beloved John Hughes film. I think my favorite John Hughes film. One that is very near and dear to me. I watch it almost every Thanksgiving or uh, or every year around the holidays. It is, uh, it, it is just one of my favorite comedies. So much charm, so much heart, so much soul, and so many legit laughs. I, you know, I, I'm not like mad at whatever studio is behind this because like what was once alive will continue to live on. What is dead will never quite die. And that is just like how things are done. And okay, yeah, I'm sure every John Hughes movie is going to get remade at some point in time. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm just upset when I read that headline and I realize who's the Steve Martin of our generation? Like who is the bankable, somewhat comedic, but also kind of dramatic actor 
who never made great movies, but always uh, made like profitable movies. And Will Smith is probably pretty close. I don't think he has quite the comedy chops. He was never a stand-up. Um, and like Will Smith's comedies are a lot more dramatic and Steve Martin's dramas are a lot more comedic. So they're not exactly on the same wavelength. But yeah, there's a lot of Steve Martin and Will Smith. And there's a lot of John Candy and Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart is definitely the closest we have to a modern John Candy. And I don't think he's nearly the actor that John Candy ever was. But as just like a dude that shows up in comedies and always elevates with his very particular persona. Yeah. He is the modern John Candy. And that depresses me. I'm just sort of depressed by that thought. As someone who likes Will Smith, but cannot stand Kevin Hart, um, this casting makes perfect sense, and it also upsets me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I'm sort of just like reckoning with my past in a lot of ways when I see this news. And I think to myself, yeah, this really shouldn't be that unusual. This shouldn't be that disturbing of a headline, but I am greatly disturbed by it. And I think that's because I can't reckon with a, like, a a fundamental truth that is staring me in the face. And that is the movies that I enjoyed as a kid were never that good to begin with. And that, yeah, I mean, a lot of these beloved childhood favorites are studio cash grabs. Now, do I think that the planes, trains and automobiles reboot is going to be anywhere near the original? Hell no. As I said, both of the original actors are better than both of these new actors. Um, And I also think like the John Hughes sensibility is a really hard thing to recapture because it is so tied to that specific era of film. It is so tied to the 80s. John Hughes and the 80s are almost interchangeable terms. And I think that's why John Hughes never had a career before or after the 80s and why we never had a director that that captured that very specific essence. Although you would think it's kind of an easy essence to replicate, it's not. Um, It's actually very specific. It is, you know why? It's really hard to make saccharine teen movies that are compelling. It's really hard to make saccharine, like romantic comedies starring 21 year olds that you take seriously. Um, But, you know, we did find John Hughes to be compelling and we did take his movie seriously. And uh, we stopped at a certain point in time. And unless this is a brilliant reimagining, I'm not seeing it. So I must ask you, uh, Will Smith, Kevin Hart, what are you doing? The Powerpuff Girls is getting a live action reboot. (laughs) Yes, Bubbles, Buttercup, and the third one, Blossom, are back, and they're fighting Mojo Jojo. In uh, in uh, the town of uh, where, where were they? Where, what what the hell was the town called? Man, I gotta brush up on my Powerpuff Girls. It's been too long. I know the professor, Professor Utonium, is that right? Was their dad, and he invented these uh, these three uh, these three superheroes essentially in a lab, and they are the Powerpuff Girls. And one of them is blue and one of them is red and one of them is green and the green one's got attitude. 
Some may say about the green one that she is the vengeance. <laughs> but they called her Buttercup, and that's what made it so funny. Oh, Townsville, of course. Set in the ditty of Townsville. Can we just, uh, can we play the Powerpuff Girls opening? Man, this is so specific to my childhood. All right, here is the, uh, here's the Powerpuff Girls opening. Sugar. Spice. And everything nice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girl. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction. Chemical X. Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born! Using their ultra superpowers, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup have dedicated their lives to fighting crime and the forces of evil! Hell yeah. Mojo Jojo was the shit. What was the lobster looking guy? Ah, what was his deal? I like that dude. Man, that dude should be like a mascot of an XFL team. (laughs) You know, the Washington football team should really consider making that guy their new mascot. Actually, that would be kind of in bad taste. He's literally a dude with red skin. I didn't even realize what I was saying as I was saying that. Oh, shit. Uh, No, but he should really be like, yeah, this dude should really be like an American icon. Powerpuff Girls villains. Uh, Him. Was that what he was called? Wow, he was just called him? And he was like a lobster dude. And he had a goatee. Kind of looked like the devil. But he had like a Santa Claus outfit. Really the stuff of nightmares. Fuzzy Lumpkins. Princess Morbucks. The gangrene gang. The Amoeba Boys. The Rowdy Rough Boys. Anyway, this is going to get turned into a live action uh, reboot. And... um... (laughs) Guys, I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) I'm just going to report the news without a take. I've given you enough takes today. All right? Please. I, I can't. I don't have the strength. I don't have the strength other than to say, why are you doing this? The West Wing is coming back for a reboot on HBO Max that marks the second classic NBC series to get a reunion special on the platform. Friends has long been in development. Now they're doing an episode of West Wing, uh, but it's not what you think. It's probably just going to be a remote Zoom session with all of the actors that starred in that beloved drama and they're going to read a script, reperform a classic episode from season three of The West Wing. So not exactly uh, what, uh, not exactly as advertised when you hear it's a West Wing reunion. Aaron Sorkin is going to be involved as well. The effort is going to be called a West Wing uh, to get out the vote. Is that what it's called? West Wing gets out the vote. Michelle Obama will be involved in some capacity. You know, West Wing is one of the rare shows, 
And I don't normally say this about like classic TV shows. I would never say this about like The Sopranos, or I would never say this about Seinfeld. I would never say this um, about like even The Wire or Breaking Bad, although they go back to that well time and time again. West Wing is one of those shows where I'd be okay with a reboot. And I, I think like it's just a perfect formula where you can go back to the well, you can just recycle through a cast every few seasons or show. So, and I'm surprised the original show didn't do that. That's sort of like a very old TV idea where you keep the same cast the whole time. And sometimes you keep characters on well past their prime, well past their due. Um, and like that happened with Martin Sheen on that show. I think like if five seasons into the West Wing, they decided it's going to be the Jimmy Smith show and we're going all in on Jimmy Smith's being the president and we're going to fill the show with new staffers and new stories. I think that would be great. The original show never quite did that. Um, it ended, spoiler alert, for the West Wing. I don't know who's concerned about West Wing spoilers. With Jimmy Smith's winning the election over Alan Alda um, and the show begins with his inauguration. They could have easily done like three more seasons of that show with Jimmy Smith. Or how about do it in anthology style? Like every season is its own story. Martin Sheen can cameo. He can be like an advisor to a president. He can come in during some sort of foreign crisis. Like, you know, just give us more West Wing. This is the perfect network show that you don't have to leave well and well alone. Um, the first three or four seasons of that show is obviously the, the best of that show. So there's no real legacy that we're spoiling here. It's not like they stuck the landing like Breaking Bad did in any meaningful way. I, I kind of want Aaron Sorkin to go back here with a new cast, with new stories. I don't want more Bradley Whitford on my television set. But NBC should be actively engaged with Aaron Sorkin on this. There's no reason why there shouldn't be more West Wing. Uh, and I don't mean like a half-assed reunion special on HBO Max. Um, I'm really interested in what he would have to say. That is still the best work Aaron Sorkin has ever done. It's like that in social network. Um, so just do what you do best, Aaron. Let's go back to the West Wing. Let's go back to the White House. Let's, let's make America optimistic again. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Uh, Sarah Cooper. Oh man. I wanted to talk Sarah Cooper. Do I have time today? <sighs> All right, I'm just going to do this now. Olivia Wilde, by the way, is doing a Spider-Woman movie. Cool. I didn't see Booksmart. I heard it was all right. I'm not even going to give it a, why are you doing this? Because I'm happy about that. That's actually interesting news. Uh, Sarah Cooper. Mini rant, then we'll get out of here. So Sarah Cooper is a TikTok star who uh, doesn't even do impressions of Donald Trump. She just like lip syncs to Donald Trump's speeches and interviews and she occasionally sets funny visuals to those TikToks. She is a TikTok star. That is her job. She's also, I guess, a comedian. She does stand up uh, and she's written two books. I know she's written two books because one of them is being developed as a CBS sitcom. But uh, she hosted Jimmy Kimmel last week. Guest hosted for Jimmy Kimmel from her home. I think she interviewed Ben Stiller. And it was one of the most unfunny late night shows I've ever seen in my life. And I'm sure Sarah Cooper is a lovely person. And I, I don't want to fault anyone for achieving success in a very difficult industry, especially on the internet. Like I am attempting the same thing that Sarah Cooper is attempting. 
uh, on this very podcast. And she has certainly had more success than me. And she has more talent than me. And it is wrong to, uh, you know, it's wrong to throw stones in glass houses. But man, this is a lot very fast for Sarah Cooper. And it's just another one of those moments of reckoning where like, oh yeah, TikTok star, that's like a legitimate profession. And I'm too old to understand TikTok. Like I'm not even on TikTok. I don't get what TikTok is. Uh, my sister will show me a TikTok every now and again. And I've seen the Sarah Cooper TikToks. And I, I, I mean, they're amusing. I'm not sure like it's the type of shit you, you make a CBS sitcom over. But then again, CBS also tried making a show about that shit your dad says Twitter account starring William Shatner. So <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, whatever works. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to be too mean, but she was just not very funny on Kimmel. And she's young, right? She's oh, actually she's not young at all. She's 43 years old. Oh, my God. Who is this woman? Uh, <laughs> Jamaican American author and comedian based in New York City. Her first book, A Hundred Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, was published in 2016. Her second book, How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings, was published in 2018. But she is now known, uh, yes, during the COVID pandemic, she began uploading videos of herself lip syncing statements made by Donald Trump. And uh, good for her, I guess. She's she's making it very late in life. <sighs> TikTok star, huh? Here we are. Welcome to hell. <laughs> Robert Pattinson is Batman. And, uh, and Sarah Cooper is the next rising star in comedy. What do I know? This is Cultured. I'm so happy you joined me today. I had fun. I hope you did too. I kind of just uh kind of just bullshitted for the last hour, but what is a podcast other than an hour worth of bullshit? Thanks. You guys mean the world to me. Go to the Discord, get engaged in all of the conversation we're having on that platform. It's been a ton of fun. Um you know, I, I got some Batman takes in preparation for this show. Uh we've been talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme and the why is this a thing um chat. <laughs> That's been really fun. And we've been talking about Tenant in the Movie Hall of Fame chat. And all of the mediocre reviews that movie has been receiving. So, yeah, go to the Discord. Go to the website first. That's too many thoughtsmedia.com or tmt.media for short. On the sidebar, you'll see a little icon that says join our Discord. Click on that. It'll take you to the Discord server. Create a username and hang out with us. We have, uh, I believe, 50 people in the Discord chat. Um, and it's, uh, it's just a ton of fun, man. It's a fun little community, a fun little corner of the internet that we can call our own. I always wanted to have a tree house and now I have a virtual one. So join the discord, be a cool kid and talk about cool things. You guys are great. I love you so very, very much. Come back next week. Won't you? Because you know what happens then? Oh, you don't know what happens then? Oh, well, you and I. We get together. Perhaps I put some tea on the stove and we sit down in our armchairs with some fresh crumpets. (laughs) And we get culture!
I am vengeance.